Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Victoria Maxson, who played lacrosse at Lafayette College from 2010 to 2013. She then went on to medical school and is now a doctor and an active member of the Army. Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Victoria, you grew up in Bothell, Washington State. Is that anywhere near Seattle? Yeah, it's like 20 minutes north of Seattle. Oh, very cool. Does it rain as much as they say it does? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's so funny. Do you have any siblings? Uh, No, I'm an only child. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, we'll get into it. Your parents, you know, pretty much had the perfect kid, it seems like. So good to stop at one. (laughs) I didn't have a choice. I had to become a doctor. (laughs) So now, how did you get into lacrosse? Because it's interesting. I live on the East Coast, right? It's a really popular sport. But West Coast, you're in Washington. Is it popular? So when I was growing up, the sport was, it wasn't a state, like, sanctioned sport. It was kind of only in the private schools. And I had, I went to, like, Catholic school. Um, I originally joined the lacrosse team because I went to a really small school before that. And I didn't, I didn't grow up playing a lot of sports. And lacrosse at the time was a no-cut sport uh, at my high school. So I joined the team, and my parents sent me to a couple camps before the season started. And then through the camps, I kind of learned about there were two club teams at the time in Seattle. And there are probably only about 20 varsity uh, girls teams in the whole state. And... Very few players were coming out of Washington and playing in college, but kind of through joining the club lacrosse team, I played on another club team called X Team, and at the time, their purpose was to recruit athletes from non-traditional lacrosse areas and get them the exposure so that they could have the opportunity to play in college. Okay, uh, wow. Since yeah. I was in high school, lacrosse in Seattle has completely exploded, and it's all across the state now, and... Even when I was in college, I think the number of varsity teams had doubled in four years. I, I don't even know what it is now. <laughs> it's, totally, yeah. it's just totally, it's like totally taken off. But yeah, at the time it was like very rare for anyone to be coming out of that area. But this summer club team, the X team, I spend all summer on the East Coast going to all the tournament circuit and doing all that stuff. Um, so that's how I got picked up to play at Lafayette. Yeah, it seems like if you didn't do the club team, you probably wouldn't have been recruited for Division One lacrosse. No, yeah, no college coaches were coming out to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I Like you said, it's really great that it's developing more on the West Coast. Because when I would watch, like, men's lacrosse, the Final Four, it seems like the team that was from the West was only the University of Denver, and every other team was on the East Coast. So it's nice to see that it's improving. I mean... Even for me, I'm on the East Coast. Like I said, it's a popular sport, but my high school didn't have a lacrosse team until I was a junior, and now it's a really popular program at the school. Yeah, California, Colorado, Oregon. I mean, now there are Division One teams in those states. I mean, there still isn't a Division One team in Washington State, so that's also kind of when you don't have those college players like close by to see a game or something like that, um, it's definitely hard to even imagine playing in college, I guess. Yeah. But it's, it's changed a lot. A lot more schools in California have teams now and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Really good teams, too. So Yeah. 
Yeah, hopefully University of Washington and Washington State can, you know, get their act together and get a team going soon. Yeah, they have, I mean, they have pretty active club teams, I know, because I've had friends play on them, but yeah, who knows what will happen. Yeah. So you mentioned you didn't play many other sports, but you were involved in mixed martial arts, weren't you? Yeah, like my entire, I think I was like five or six when I started, and I did like competed in MMA until I until I went off to college, really. Um, but yeah, that's definitely like kind of an only child sport <laughs> to be involved with. I went to really small schools, and they like didn't they didn't really have established like team sport. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was active, but I before high school. Gotcha. But hey, you had a black belt, so I am not messing with you. That's really impressive. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that came up to haunt me multiple times when I was in college. People would bring it up at parties and everything. But, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, cool. it's, something, it's something that was cool. It's definitely unique. Yeah, it was another, it's another good experience. Absolutely. You think you'll ever get back into the MMA scene? It's becoming so popular now, even for women. Uh, I don't think I would get involved with, like, being competitive and actually fighting other people. I do like, like, boxing for, like, fitness classes and that type of thing, but people have told me I can still hit, but <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine getting, I can't imagine, yeah, just, the main reason I got out of it was because you, when you're in your teen years, like, you're going to tournaments, you're getting hit in the head, it's like, uh, yeah, too much wear and tear. I had to save the brain cells for med school, so. Yeah, right? Yeah, you do not want to get a concussion. And I, I would say you probably shouldn't get back into it now because you're a doctor and you need your hands and you can't get hurt. Yeah, too much on the line now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, you started playing lacrosse in high school, which similar to your good friend Anna, I think that's awesome that you, yeah. really, you guys only spend four years and you get to, you go Division One. Yeah, it was, um, I never, I, I just really loved the sport, and I went to every, like, camp and club practice that I could get into. I really fell in love with it really quickly, and this club team, the X team, really made it a reality, and that I, that I could reach that dream of playing Division One. Um, so, yeah, I was just happy to get on a Division One team, like, to me, that, seemed like a huge achievement coming from such a non-traditional area. Yeah. Yeah, you go to Holy Names Academy. Tremendous for your career. You're two-time first-team All-State. You're an honorable mention All-American. And you're also a two-time academic All-American. Now, that's all really impressive. How was the team? I mean, like you said, you're only playing probably against a couple other schools. But were you on the, like, winning side of that? Yeah, our, I don't, our high school team... I don't think we ever did that well. Not that I remember. Um, but there were a couple other girls in my year that ended up playing some of the the, the islands in Seattle, Rainbow and Mercer Island. Those are kind of the bigger lacrosse schools. There are a couple of girls that I became close with that played on the X team. They ended up playing at St. Mary's um, in California. But yeah, it was a very small scene about like who was actually serious about lacrosse. Yeah. Just a very few few players. Now, what's even more impressive than your athletic career in high school is your academic career. I mentioned you were an academic All-American. You're also the class valedictorian. That's just so impressive. 
You mentioned a little bit about the recruiting process and how it really all took place going to tournaments with your club team. Can you sort of talk about that process and how you ended up on the other side of the country in Pennsylvania? Yeah, so the X team, they were really like ahead of their time with everything. They, the coach that that ran the organization was Krista Samaras, who's like very famous in the lacrosse world. Um, she would have these weekly conference calls and talk about recruiting, like what you should be doing. And then she actually would give us assignments. Like we had to create our resumes and like letters that we would, how you would phrase an email to a coach or how to make a recruiting video and all these things. So she would give us all the resources and it was kind of, it was required that you would do all these things to be on the team. Um, So she definitely taught a lot of time management skills and like had a, showed a lot of accountability and, um, then she'd send us videos about drills and stuff that we would memorize and plays. And then we'd show up, we'd fly from wherever we were in the country a couple days before the tournament would start. And we would just practice all day. Wow. And the expectation was that you'd show up to those tournaments, like having reviewed all the material and the drills and everything. And then, everyone was kind of on the same page and then you just go and any teams that dropped out of any tournament, like we would always pick up all the games and you would just, you would just play and play and play. It was wild. Our team wasn't like, we weren't winning tournaments, but we were getting tons of exposure and she had a lot of great connections. Like the team that I was on, I think every single player ended up playing division one. Like I probably went to one of the smaller schools, like everyone else went to pretty big, big name programs. Um, Yeah. And then in the off, like in the winter, we would have training camps like all over the country. Like one year we go to Palm Springs, another year was like Florida. So we were, I think my junior year of high school, like I don't think I was at school on a Friday. Like I was constantly flying somewhere (laughs) to one of these tournaments or trainings. But yeah, it was a it was a really cool experience, and you met these girls from all over the place, and everyone kind of had everyone was on had the same goal. Yeah, that's so cool though that your coach was like that because that really does prepare you for college, right? Accountability, you have to know the playbook, and uh, being on time, time management, and then with you not being in class, I mean, once you're in college and you're playing D one, you do miss a lot of class. Yeah, that's the reality. Um, she did a. That program, I'm not really sure where that program is now. Last I saw or had looked at it, they had expanded and like had programs all over the country. But really, their goal was to grow was to grow the game as much as possible in these non-traditional areas and get girls this exposure. Um, So yeah, my I mean my my parents had no clue about the recruiting process. I didn't either. And uh, my high school coaches in Seattle had no idea as well. (laughs) If I didn't have X team, like to nav- help navigate that whole process, and yeah, it would it would have never happened. Yeah, she, they had all the resources and like could guide you with what to do, and like I think a lot of people don't know what's always appropriate or like how to approach a coach or what you should be sending them and when to send it and all that stuff. So she like they really outlined everything that you should be doing. Yeah, for sure. Now, how did you pick Lafayette? So I actually went on an official visit there. 
um, and absolutely love the school. And I've always gone to small schools, so and I've always had kind of small class sizes and stuff, so I knew that was the, the type of school I was looking at. I wanted to be kind of at, like, a small liberal arts school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the time, I was just, like, happy to, happy to play Division One. The size of the program didn't really affect me. I just just wanted to get on the team, basically. When I went on, went on the official visit, yeah, I just I felt like I fit in. I got along with the, a lot of the girls on the team. Beautiful campus. It's got a great academic reputation. They had some kind of unique pre-med programs and stuff, even though they were small. But um, there was stuff that kind of right away jumped out with, out at me. And they had me meet with one of the biology professors when I did my official visit. So it seems like it would be an easy transition for me from high school. It seems like a lot of things were going your way for Lafayette. So you wanted to be a doc- you knew you wanted to be a doctor even before you got to college, huh? Yeah, I honestly don't remember a time I didn't want to be a doctor. I don't know if it's my parents brainwashed me when I was younger, but <laughs> when I was in high school, like I volunteered at a hospital all through high school and wow. oh, I started shadowing doctors when I was in high school. So I, I knew very early on that that's what I wanted to do. And I mean, I really saw college as like, wh- where can I play and have a good academic and athletic balance with the end goal that I, that I wanted to be in medical school. Are your parents doctors as well? No, my mom's a pharmacist, so she got kind of close. But. Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she's in the, she's in the medical field. Yeah, my high school required some volunteer work all throughout high school, and the hospital was University of Washington Medical Center was like down the street, so I used to volunteer there. And That's one day, one, one of the nurses, yeah, one of the nurses kept that I started talking to. She was like, "Have you ever been in the operating room?" And she was like, "Okay, come back tomorrow. Like, I'll get you scrubs and like I'll take you to the operating room." And so I'm just like standing on the wall. I was probably like 14 or 15 at the time. And they're doing some like huge orthopedic case and there's like blood everywhere. And like this guy's whole knee is cut open. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I was like, I need, I want to be a surgeon. Like, this is it. Like (laughs) I couldn't look away. Like (laughs) I was like, I found my place. That's amazing. Like me personally, I mean, I could never be a doctor for many reasons, but seeing all the blood and stuff, I would be looking away. So you definitely know that's your thing if you're looking at it. Yeah, I knew that very early on, which I, I'm very grateful for. Like I've always kind of had my my plan. I had to put in the work to, to get there. Yeah, you definitely put in the work. So you get to Lafayette in the summer of 2009. How was your transition from high school lacrosse to college lacrosse? Well, it's kind of great when you when you play a, a sport in college because you, you show up, you don't know anyone, but everyone on your team is your best friend. And Anna Drewing was my roommate when I was in college. Um, so she's super nice and welcoming. And then when we were freshmen, her older sister was on the team as well. So we thought we were like, we kind of had it in to know like where to, what to do and where to go um, because of her older sister. Nice, nice. The practices and stuff, I think, were they were definitely more demanding than what I was used to. But I think through playing club lacrosse, like I always knew to never 
like you never gave up, you never complained, like you just kind of sucked it up and did it. And I think that kind of mindset is what a lot of college athletes come come out of when they leave. Like they're, you're you're going to be a hard worker with, with whatever you go into because mm-hmm. um, you're used to just like taking orders and putting your head down and just grinding everything out. I think the I think I felt like I fit in with the like level of play. Um, but definitely there were some adjustments with like, we had a lot of different fitness tests that we had to go through and those were always really challenging for me to, to pass where it's like, I don't know, some people you think they like don't work out in the off season and they can pass every test. Like everyone's kind of different. Yeah. But yeah. It was definitely, it was definitely a challenge. Like I definitely had to put in a lot of work to be able to keep up, but played all four years. So yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you weren't the only one that struggled with those fitness tests. Those are hard. Yeah, and then, of course, they got rid of them all the year we graduated. <laughs> no way. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, they, they said, like, oh, no, that's too, they're too stressful. They're not going to do those anymore. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is a bummer. How was it, though, being so far from home? You know, your, your home is Washington State. Now you're in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I... So my parents had always really, like, I always thought I was going far away from college. They had always encouraged that. They were like, why would you stay around Seattle? Like, you need to branch out and, like, see new places. Um, Most of the girls on the team were from kind of the tri-state area, as most lacrosse players are. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them were really close to Lafayette, and kind of all of their parents became my second family. It's like Anna's family – I'm like their fourth daughter is how I feel. So yeah, I don't, I've always been very independent. So the transition to being away from my family was something, I mean, it was something that I was looking forward to and making new experiences. And I, I do well in environments that I think make me uncomfortable and having to kind of like forcing me to make new friends and talk to people that I would have never met before and that type of thing. So all in all, I went well. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't really think I got homesick because you're so busy with That's lacrosse. Lacrosse, yeah. <laughs> pre-med. I was doing like, yeah, yeah, pre-med stuff and like trying to do all that. I mean, I think I slept for like three days straight when I got home for Christmas. <laughs> the first year. That's but yeah, then I studied, I studied abroad all three summers when I was at Lafayette. So I was, I really didn't spend a lot of time back in Seattle and then Thanksgiving, I would go with one of our, our other friends on the on the team, home with them because they were closer. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think that's awesome that you're like, oh, it really didn't bother me. I have a homebody, so that would like stress me out living across the country from my parents and siblings. So I think it's really cool when people can do it. Yeah, I think that's kind of my parents really encouraged it. So I. I didn't really think any any other way of it. And then all my other friends were from college are all close. So if we really needed to go home for the weekend, we just, I'd just go to one of their houses. <laughs> nice. I think that's cool, though, that they would take you into their houses. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really nice. Then were your parents ever able to come out to any games? Yeah, usually they would come out um, for a week in the spring when we'd have two home games in a row. Oh, great. And then one of one of our spring breaks, we played in California, so uh, they were able to come to those games. Oh, that must have been great for you. But yeah, the, 
the pressure was definitely on when they would come out in the spring because I'd be like, okay, like, I need to score a goal or <laughs> do something like they're here. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, was, you like, don't want to put too much stress on par- yourself. Yeah. I'm, everyone else's parents are driving distance, so they're at a, they don't miss a game. Like, most of them. But, <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely hard. Yeah, I can imagine. But, hey, you play right away at Lafayette, which isn't a competitive conference in the Patriot League. You, you, I think you played nine games as a freshman. You get four starts. What position did you mostly play? Well, I came in recruited for defense, but I really did not do well my freshman fall trying to play the type of defense that our coach wanted us to play. Like, it was very, like, high pressure. I don't know. I just don't think I had the fast feet. Like, <laughs> it just wasn't working out. And, like, obviously when I was – as most players, like, they played center in high school and played everything because usually you're, you're, like, the best player on the team, so um, you're, you're doing everything. So they switched me to attack, and then I was much happier. It made more sense, the type of a- attack and plays that our coach was running, and um, I was really able to use my height as an advantage. So then I just stayed on attack until, the, yeah, for the rest of the time. Yeah, you are pretty tall for a lacrosse player. What's your height? Um, I'm 5'11". Wow. Yeah, that is tall for lacrosse. Yeah, so I mostly played, like, behind the cage. And if you're taller, it's easier for you to, like, feed other people and assist them. So Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a great position for you. Who needs defense? Yeah. Exactly. Defense is so fun for <laughs> You score 11 goals in your first season, including getting one against Sacred Heart, which I like to call the Dre Wing versus Dre Wing overtime game. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I think her parents were so nervous for that tailgate. They didn't know where they should be, what they should go. (laughs) Yeah, who do you root for? Yeah, exactly. I think it was a Sacred Heart home game, so they had to root for Elizabeth. Ah. I heard Anna pushed Elizabeth yeah. to that game. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of tensions were high. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, overall, really good freshman season. Yeah, no, it was good. Thank you. Of course. Sophomore year, you keep improving. You get 10 starts. But your freshman and sophomore years, the team wasn't great. You guys, I think, had three wins both seasons. So that had to be frustrating. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we had a lot of issues and a lot of, like, inconsistency, I guess. And the starting lineups were constantly changing. And I don't know, our coach, I guess, was just kind of trying all these different things and seeing if anything stuck. But, yeah, no, we weren't very good. We, we yeah, only winning three games a season is, like, it's awful. And, it, and you're out there every day spending all this time, um when a lot of the time you could be, I don't know, seeing your friends or, like, working on schoolwork, and then, like, we still were really bad. Like, Mm. it was frustrating. But, yeah, it makes it hard to justify, but I just could never see quitting the team. Like... Yeah, no. And... Yeah. And honestly, in Division One, you know, the, the losing teams are practicing and working just as hard as the winning teams are. Yeah, when we were just, like, hoping at some point, like, something's going to change and we're going to turn around. 
There are some dark days uh, on lacrosse games. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you did turn it around. I mean, your junior year in 2012, you guys had a winning record. I think you went nine and eight, and you your so you started sixteen games, so you had another yeah, solid and season. It had it had been, and it had been years since the team had had a winning record. It's something to be really proud of. Like, yeah, our we were our coach's first recruiting class, and like, yeah, I mean, she didn't have a lot to work with. Like, hmm. there was a lot of culture changes with the new coach and trying to get trying to attract recruits to our program and yeah there were definitely some growing pains along the way and that's how it is when a new coach takes over it takes a while to you know get what they want to happen in place yeah and a lot of we were i mean we were her first class so a lot of a lot of the girls in in my year like they they all they all played all four years like there were starters that you know, which is, it's hard when you're a senior on the team and this freshman's coming in and taking your spot or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, there was definitely a lot of stuff to work through. Absolutely. Now, your senior year, 2013, you played consistently, but you don't get as many starts as you had in prior seasons. Was it hard to come off the bench? Yeah, it was, like, it was very inconsistent. I, like... The starts weren't like consistent games in a row, and I didn't really know when I was going to be used or not. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was still just happy to be on the team, and if I got to play, I got to play. <laughs> yeah, that's frustrating, though. I get it. You don't know. You kind of don't know when you're like. Sometimes, yeah, there's a plan like, in place of okay. when you're going to go in, but it doesn't seem like you had that. Yeah, like you just always have to be ready, and I don't know. It's not. It's not your decision. It's the coach's decision. That's their job. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can only worry about yourself and what how you do. Now attending Lafayette, there's a big rivalry with Lehigh. It's honestly one of the fiercest rivalries in college sports. What was it like to be a part of that big rivalry? I mean, the the football rivalry is like it's probably one of the biggest like everyone biggest highlights of the year when you go to Lafayette or Lehigh, um, and it constantly follows you after you graduate. Like if you meet a Lehigh alumni, it's always something to talk to talk about. And you're like immediately friends and really your friends. Like I feel stress. like you would not be friends. Yeah. I mean, on the outside, it's kind of this, like, it's like a, like an inside joke or something. It's like mm. a tradition that only if you went there, do you understand what a big deal it is gotcha. and how people come back every single year for this tailgate and everything. Yeah, when we played Lehigh, it was always like, I mean, not that every game wasn't stressful, but it was a win that you really wanted. And Yeah, that one meant a little more. I think our freshman year, we lost by a record amount ever to Lehigh. Oh, no. (laughs) Like, we set the record that we did not want to (laughs) Wrong side of history. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool tradition. Um, it's like the oldest football rivalry, I think, in the country. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and that, yeah, and that rivalry kind of follows through all the other uh, sports teams. But yeah, it's a really cool, it's a special thing if you go to that school. Like, you really don't understand it unless you go there. Yeah. You have a great lacrosse career. I mean, we just talked about it. But no surprise here, you also had a great academic career. You were consistently on the Patriot League academic honor roll, which is impressive because pre-med must be pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to a good uh, 
pretty challenging high school, so I was definitely well prepared. But the yeah, the reality of lacrosse is it's not like you get to take a practice off if you have a have a big test the next day. Like you still might be, or you have a game or something, you're still getting home at like close to midnight, and you still have to perform with uh, academically. It it was definitely challenging, and there were definitely times that I'm like oh, if I had more time to study, like, would I have done better? Or is lacrosse the reason that, like, I am doing pretty pretty well? Mm-hmm. When I got to medical school, I did not know what to do with all this time. Oh, true, like, yeah. It was a crazy transition because I was like, oh, I don't have four hours a day that I are dedicated to playing lacrosse and all the, all the lifts and all the watching film and all these other things. And then you find out in medical school, like, all you do is study. So, like, that's, that's how you fill, that, fill your time. <laughs> Yikes. No, but I know what you mean. That must be hard at first. You're like, wow, I have all this time on my hands. What do I do? Yeah, then you, you quickly realize, like, wow, it, it was amazing playing a sport. It, like, college is way more fun than graduate school, <laughs> especially <laughs> medical school. And, yeah, I just think back on that time, like, yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was a great experience um, to have that part of part of our part of my routine every day. Yeah, amazing, Victoria. I obviously am really impressed with your sports career, but this part of the podcast is where I'm super impressed because not only do you attend medical school, but you're also an active member of the military. So, can you sort of take me through this journey? Like, at what point you went to medical school, where you went, and at what point you were got into, involved with the military? Yeah, so it was actually uh, Lafayette Lacrosse alumni, Dr. Hanlon. She was very involved with the team when, when I was a player. And she um, is an emergency medicine doctor. She, there's a scholarship program called HPSC. It's the Health Profession Scholarship Program. And it's kind of like ROTC for medical school is the best way to describe it. And she had done that program through the Air Force. And I had shadowed her when I was in college and really connected with her. She's one of my mentors. Um, and she had an incredible experience in the military. It's a, most people kind of first hear about it. It's a way to pay for medical school because they, they pay for all four years of medical school and they pay for you, give you money to live off of while you're in medical school. So if you don't want to take out student loans or have any debt, uh, it's a great program for a lot of people. Um, So she really convinced me to look into it, and I I met with a couple of recruiters. Um, I actually didn't get offered the scholarship from the Air Force. Like, I really wanted to follow in her footsteps and do everything that she did, and I ended up getting the one from the Army, which all worked out. I'm very happy to be in the Army. (laughs) Uh, so I applied for that program while I was applying to medical school. Um, and so I never had to look at a bill for medical school. The army took care of everything. Great. And then while I was in medical school, you go to some trainings. I went to the basic officer leadership course, which is kind of like a boot camp when you get into the military, you do that this summer between first and second year of medical school. So that was down in San Antonio. And it's kind of a crash course on being an officer in the military. Like, you know, you're putting your uniform on for the first time, so they're teaching you how to wear it and all the customs, and uh, you're staying out in tents during the week, and they show you how to shoot 
M16s and handguns and they teach you like land navigation. It's kind of just like six week like crash course and all this, all these little different factors and tidbits of being, being in the army. But it's really fun because you're with all the medical and dental students in the country that are doing this program. And in the army, there's usually about 200 or so a year um, that they offer the medical scholarship for, for medical school to. So at my medical school in Philadelphia, there were actually 10 of us in the army. So we all went to this training together and all these people became some of my best friends and uh, that's the only, that's the main thing you have to do while you're in medical school. Otherwise you're just like an, any other student at the school. And then the military has their own residency programs. Um, so it's called the match. And I don't know if, if you're familiar with how residencies work, you go and you apply for them, interview. A lot of people spend a, might spend a month rotating at a program they really want to go to. And then you send in a rank list and then they rank you. And then it's like a computer system that matches everyone. Yeah. The unique thing, yeah. The unique thing about the military though, is they have their, they have their own residency program, especially in the army. So like you're in your, you're going through just the military match, which happens a lot sooner than uh, the regular civilian match. And so the military paid for me to go out to Hawaii for a month and interview there. And I also, they also paid for me to go out to, there's a hospital like an hour south of Seattle called Madigan. Um, it's at Fort Lewis is the base. And so I rotated out there for a month. And then I also spent a month at Walter Reed in Bethesda, Maryland. Wow. And then, yeah. And then I, I absolutely fell in love with Hawaii. Like I used to go there, we used to go there for family vacations and stuff, but I never thought living there was an option and just, the fact that I got to spend a month there, like I got to know all the residents, the attendings, explore the island. I, I put it as my first choice. Like I was like, I want to go here and I ended up getting it, which so if I had it, if I had gotten in the air force, they only had one spot for urology, which was in San Antonio. So Hawaii wouldn't have been an option. So I think yeah. it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. That's so cool. You just mentioned urology. That's your specialty. I'm assuming. Yeah, right now I'm a urology resident. Um, so for people that don't know, urologists are, they're surgeons of the urinary tract. Uh, the most like common thing a urologist would do would be like a kidney stone surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also take care of like kidney cancer, bladder cancer, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and then um, like stress incontinence and erectile dysfunction. And that's kind of, that type of stuff is in our wheelhouse. Now, how did you end up, like, finding an interest in that? So, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a surgeon. And um, so when you're in medical school, you rotate through different specialties. Everyone has to rotate on general surgery. I thought that's what I wanted to do. And especially with uh, in the military, I was really interested in, in trauma surgery and that type of thing. And then when I actually did the rotation, I was like, I, I don't know if I like this. Like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> But I, but I want to be a surgeon. Like, there has to be something else. And so one of my electives, I ended up in urology. And just, it's a little better lifestyle than general surgeon. It's a big personality thing, which, um, which you see among the different specialties. Like, there's definitely a certain kind of personalities that go into each field. Urology, like, 
yeah, they make a lot of make a lot of jokes and stuff, and the the lifestyle is a little better than general surgery or trauma surgery or something like that. Um, and I really liked it, and I got along with the attendings really well, and I actually enjoyed reading about and studying about these topics. And then I was like, well, this has to be what I need to do. <laughs> if you enjoy it. And, and yeah, and the craziest thing was one of my summer internships when I was at Lafayette was with a pediatric urologist and I spent the summer with him at the time. I didn't really understand what a urologist was, but looking back on it, it's kind of come full circle now. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. But Hey, you're right. You said, you know, people make like urology jokes, but those are still things that need to be taken care of. So you need doctors for that. It's super important. Yeah. I mean, it, Think about urology, like, most of the patient population is, like, older men, um, but a lot of it's, like, their lifestyle issues, like, uh, and we can, we can solve a lot of those things, but, yeah, you have to be comfortable talking about sex and yeah. erections and all that type of stuff, <laughs> but, yeah, it's a very satisfying field because a lot of the treatments for the cancers that we take care of and um, kind of the lifestyle quality of life issues. Like we have really great treatments for it and you, you can do a surgery and um, take out a kidney tumor. And then like that person is for the most part, usually cured of that cancer, which is really gratifying and patients tend to do really well. So um, it definitely was a good match for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. So you're still in your residency how many years is the residency? So it's a five-year residency. I'm about to come up on the halfway point nice. next month. Good for you. Um, yeah, so the program is really cool. Most of the time is spent in Hawaii, but then we rotate twice at Memorial Stone Kettering in Manhattan. So this was like a dream residency program for me because I was in Hawaii for two years, and then I came out to New York where I am right now, and... I get to see all my Lafayette friends again. Yeah, whoever that's didn't awesome. Come visit me. Yeah, whoever didn't come visit me the first two years, now I get to see all these people again in, in New York. I mean, given some of the COVID restrictions, but I for the know. most part, I've seen most of my teammates. And and then in another year and a half, I come back here again towards the end of my residency. So it's pretty exciting. Nice, nice. I mean, you mentioned loving living in Hawaii. I, I'm sure you do. But give me some of, like, the highlights. How Do you go to the beach a lot? Do you explore? Do the road to Hana? Tell me about it. Yeah, so there's a huge military presence in Hawaii. I live in Honolulu, which is on Oahu, which is kind of, like, the main most populated island. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a huge – we have a huge hospital there. Uh, the Army – it's an Army-run hospital, but – I mean, we're supporting kind of all active duty, their family members, and then veterans on the island. And that, I mean, Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Marines, like there are, there are huge bases all over the place. Um, so we're taking care of all those patients. Uh, living in Hawaii is amazing. Like it is what, every, what everyone says it's going to be. Uh, great weather all the time. Uh, yeah, constantly hiking paddle boarding. I got into scuba dive, learned how to scuba dive uh, when I first got there. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, an, it's, it's really like the best place to do residency because the few days that you do have off, like you can spend going to the beach and relaxing, or you can like do some, 
there's all all these outdoor sports are always kind of at your disposal. Um, but yeah, I love it, and I've had so many people visit me. It's it's a great a great duty station to get for my first duty station in the army. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I'll I'm not sure I'll be as lucky for the next one. But. <laughs> Yeah, well, you still have a few more years, so enjoy it while you can, right? Yeah, the way the scholarship works is, you know, they paid for four years of medical school. So after my residency, I still owe four years um, as a urologist in the military. Gotcha. So how many more years is that then? Um, Oh, like the earliest I could get out of the military would be, I guess, July... 2027 <laughs> oh oh okay so it's like residency yeah, and then four more years after that and then four my years my bad yeah. okay okay I, I misunderstood that wow now, yeah, so do- some people do like you can do a shorter residency and then do the four years and be out quicker but I chose like most of the surgical residencies are at least five years so yeah I end up with a little a little longer experience being active duty yeah now, tell me this, since you are technically in the Army, if there's something going on overseas where military is needed, you technically could get called to duty, right? So, while you're in residency, you're kind of protected from being deployed. Oh, okay. Like, be, it would have to be a very extreme situation for them to take us out of our residency. Um, yeah, because we're considered like, we're. it's kind of like being in school, or like we're still considered like you're... In college, like you're not going to be deployed while you're in college. It's that type of thing. Gotcha. But those four years where you are not protected, you could technically still be deployed. Yeah. So what would happen is um, it's kind of like you go through a match process again. Uh, when I get kind of my last year, they send you a rank list of what urology spots in the army are opening, and um, and then you kind of rank them, and then. You can really be sent anywhere. Uh, most of the urology positions are in the United States. There's a couple in Germany and then one in South Korea. But most people end up in the assigned to a hospital in the mainland. And then, yeah, you can be deployed from that. Um, urologists probably aren't deployed as often as some of the other specialties that are yeah, more needed, like general surgery and orthopedics and yeah. emergency med and that type of thing. Uh, just because of the nature of our skill set. I mean, it's always a possibility, but uh, yeah, not they're not really deploying urologists as much right now. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Now, do you think, I mean, this is a long time away, but 2027, do you think you would get out of the military or you, do you think you would continue? So I, I mean, I've only been active duty, I guess, for two and a half years. Um, I really have enjoyed my experience in the military. I would like to stay in and do 20 years and make a career out of it. Next year, I think I'm going to apply for a fellowship, which is another two years of training. And I actually want to do pediatric urology, just uh, like that internship that I had years ago before I even was into medical school or anything, uh, which is crazy that this is now what I'm applying for. but yeah, I'd like to do a fellowship, which is another two years of training after residency. And then I, I'd like to stay in. I, I really enjoy the patient population. Working with active duty service members, is they're just like the coolest people ever. And the veterans, too. They have amazing stories. And you get to meet all these 
people have, there are so many interesting jobs in the military and you get to work with all the special forces people. And yeah, yeah I've had a really positive experience so far. Um, I think being in the army, there are a lot of similarities to being on a college um, sports team. Cause you, you're held to, you're still held to that higher standard. Like we still have to pass fitness tests given they are not as hard as those ones in college. <laughs> Well, when you get out of the military, they'll take that away. You won't have to do that anymore. Yeah, but, like, they have – there's a different set of rules that you live by when you you sign up, um, when you join the military. And it it is kind of – yeah, I think it's really cool to have – to work with people that are also, like, into fitness and, like, our residency, like, once a week, we'll we'll be doing workouts together at 5 a.m. before we go to work. Uh, and stuff like that, which I, that's something that doesn't happen on the, outside the military. Like, I, I don't think I'd ever, I'd ever hear of a surgery resident uh, choosing to get up early to run around a track when it's pitch blackout with, like, their, their bosses and co-residents. Like, I don't think that happens. But the, we like doing it. And actually, two of my co-residents are, we're also Division One athletes in college, and that's something that we really look for when we're trying to recruit residents to our program. Yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought of that, but you're right. The military is similar to a high-level college team. Yeah, I mean, and you're with a lot of like-minded people that, you know, it's still part of our job to be in shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, uh, yeah, I guess, I'll be taking fitness tests for a long time. <laughs> ah, you can't get out of it. No. That's they're funny. Only every, every six, they're only every six months, though. <laughs> nice. But, but yeah, as I've gotten closer to 30, they've gotten harder. <laughs> oh, God, I bet. Yeah. Oh, you're not young anymore. I'm right there with you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Now, hey, since you're in New York and you're a member of the Army, have you gone up to West Point at all to check out the campus? No, and you know what? Army did not have a women's lacrosse team when I was in college. I think yeah, they started sure, like, the year after I graduated. Yeah. Yeah, so we never... No, I actually have never been there. Oh, you should go. I don't think you can go up there. I don't oh. think you can go up there with a COVID situation, though. Oh, that's a good point. I they're not even never letting, mind. like, the... I heard they're not even letting the kids go home for Thanksgiving or anything. Oh, uh, that's sad. Yeah, there's, like, a, the military, like... You can't just try. Yeah, you can't just travel without a reason. Like you're all, you always have to submit paperwork for where you're going. But right now, there's like serious restrictions on military travel. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe well one day I'm sure you'll get there. It is a really pretty campus. Yeah, one day. Oh yeah, I've definitely heard that. My friend from high school, he I actually had him on the podcast. He played soccer at Army. He um he went to West Point and got married up there and I was I'm really good friends with his wife. She's one of my best friends and they had their wedding up there. It was really pretty. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, we I mean, we went down to the Naval Academy a few times in college, which mm-hmm. is also breathtaking and Yeah. It's just really cool to be yeah, to be on that campus and be a part of that. Yeah, I can't imagine. I have to I have to check out Navy. I haven't been there. But Victoria, I am so impressed with everything that you're up to. I mean, this has just been an amazing conversation. I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound to you? Okay. Yeah, sounds good. All right. 
I mean, I feel like I might know the answer to this one, but what is your favorite vacation spot? You know, no, I don't know the answer to this one because you're working in Hawaii. That's not a vacation for you. Yeah, it is so funny, though, because, like, I mean, most people think of Hawaii as a vacation spot, and that's where my, like, my family would always go when we were, when I was younger. Uh, they, it would be weird for me now to, like, go to a tropical, like, an island for vacation, because that wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> Um, my favorite place I've gone, I guess before I moved out to Hawaii, I went to Iceland. That was probably like the coolest, most unique place I had traveled. Nice. I want to go to but Iceland. Since, since, yeah. Since moving to Hawaii, I've got, I've been to Australia and, um, in January I was in Tokyo right before all the COVID stuff started, which was really cool. Yeah. But yeah. Living in, living in Hawaii. I, Another big draw of moving there was that, you know, it kind of opens the Pacific and Asia up for travel. Um, I had a trip planned to Thailand over New Year's, but obviously can't go now. Yeah. Wow, so you travel but a lot. But hopefully I'll get, yeah, hopefully I'll get a couple more stamps in my passport before I leave Hawaii, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I hope so. But real quick question, when you were in Iceland, did you go into the Blue Lagoon? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Do you see the Northern Lights? Those are yeah, two things I want to do. Uh, we were trying to see the Northern Lights, but it never worked out with the weather. Mm. I don't think we were, I wasn't there at like a prime time. Like there's definitely a better season to go for it. All right, I was well, just you trying go to travel as much as possible before I started registering. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. What is a hidden talent that you have? You know, one that not many people might know about. I mean... Yeah, the martial arts thing, like, was definitely, people did not know about that for a while. Um, when I went to the, mil- the military training, they, one day we spent doing, like, combatives, which is kind of like, uh, like, if you were, like, someone's going to fight you, like, uh, without your weapon or whatever, and... I remember being like, I, I ended up like teaching some of the combatants to people, like, <laughs> which was really funny. And, never, and like, no one, like, no one was like expecting that at all. Um, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Once in a while. Yeah. Once in a while that stuff has like popped back up. Um, yeah. Residency though. It's like all you, it's like, yeah, you just work a ton and study a lot. So <laughs> I don't have a lot of hidden talents that have been coming out recently, but. Well, hey, studying is a talent, so good for you. Oh, yeah. Well, it never ends, but that's part of medicine. <laughs> right, yeah. All right, Victoria, last question. The holidays are coming up. What is your favorite holiday movie? Oh, it's got to be Love Actually. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, which I'm, I'm excited to go... I go back to Hawaii right after Thanksgiving and I've like got a whole list of rom-coms that I need to watch. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm, I'm on call for Christmas, so it kind of sucks, but oh, that's New Year's. Nice. Yeah. But no, Love Actually is a good one. I, would, yeah, that's okay. I want someone to do the scene where, um, you know, the flashcards and all that. Like, I want that. I just want a boy to do that for me. <laughs> it's my dream. Someday. 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 <laughs> It will happen. 
Gosh, Victoria, thank you so much for making time to come on the podcast. You know, you're always studying. You're always, you know, in residency. So I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm happy to share my story and hopefully inspire some other people to go into the medical field after their career in in college sports. Absolutely. And also, thank you for your service to our country. Oh, no, yeah, thank you. I feel like I haven't really done much yet. <laughs> Still, I'm just looking yeah, we'll you're in the Army. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool being in, it's really cool being in the Army. I, uh, since I'm still in residency, like, you know, I'm still, it's still like you're in school again or whatever. <laughs> but still, I think it's impressive. Thank you. All right, everyone. That was my conversation with Victoria Maxson. Hope you enjoyed it. What an impressive young woman. She's going to make a great doctor, and the Army is very lucky to have her. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.